few weeks ago, we talked about the keys to the kingdom, their principles, their principles to help you to live in this kingdom life. We're in the kingdom now. I am a kingdom now man. I'm not waiting for anything to happen. It's already happened. Uh, but besides that, a few weeks ago, we, we started this deal about forgiveness. And that really makes people uneasy. The two hardest words in the English language is this. I'm sorry. Really? Three, it's, it's my fault. So when you talk about forgiveness, and we've been on this about three or four weeks or five, and we're going to be on it one more week after this one, but it's, it's here to free you up. I told you the, the oil of forgiveness is, is the WD-40 on the engine motor or the parts. It causes us all to flow and move freely. But if you don't oil the thing with forgiveness, we will lock up. Whether it be a marriage or on your job, or whatever it may be. But if you don't learn to forgive, we've been commanded to forgive. And next week we will deal with, well, what if they don't ask for forgiveness? I'm glad you asked that, but we'll deal with it next week. But today, forgiveness. So I want you to turn about two people and say, no matter what you've said or done to me, and I'm not going to think about this long, there are benefits. Watch this. There are benefits of forgiving other people. Quit repenting. Quit it. You're taking too much time. There are benefits for forgiving one another. So, Father, what we're about to do and what we're going to ask you to do, you can only do it. It's supernatural. Your word says that love, think of no evil. Love does not keep record of hurts or injuries or griefs that comes our way because it's your love that seems to erase them from the banks of our heart. And so for the next few moments, we ask you to do what only you can do. We are people that have been wounded. We are people that have been hurt. We are people that have absolutely been through the ringer mentally and spiritually and physically. But today we ask you to pour the oil of forgiveness in our heart that we may pour the oil of forgiveness upon other people that we can flow freely in this place of worship. And we ask it in Christ's name. And all the people of God said, amen. amen. Now turn to somebody and say, now I'm really glad you're here today. You can be seated. So this is kind of what I do, is that I explain things. So you probably need to take notes, but because I'm going on another cruise and I may not come back. So you may need to hear this one. It's Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, verse one, where we begin this whole series, it's unrealistic to think that offenses will not come your way. You're crazy if you think people won't hurt your feelings. You're nuts in the church. You're crazy. It's unimaginable. It's unrealistic. Jesus said, told his disciples just a few hours before he'll be crucified. He said, here's the good news and bad news. The bad news is, is this, uh, it's unthinkable for you to, to live a Christian life thinking offenses won't come your way. Proverbs 14, 4 says this, where, the, where there is no oxen in the stall, the stall is clean. The more oxen you have, the bigger shovel you need. Now think about that. 
So we surround ourselves with people and friends and family. We're going to get this. And, and the more friends and the more loved ones and the more people in church that you're around is the more possibility for shovels to be needed. You know why? Spoiler alert, because we're humans and we make mistakes. This morning, we are going to begin with something about, um, about forgiving. And you'll need to know it. If you'll just stay with me to the end, the end is the best, of course. And the Apostle Paul is dealing with Ephesians. There are six chapters in Ephesians. There are six chapters in Ephesians. The first three deal with our position in Christ. The second three deals with our conditions in Christ. Don't get them confused. The first three deals with our position, who we are in Christ. The second three deals with what we do with that, our condition. Our conditions may change, but our position won't change. You've heard me say this. You, you get a driver's license and, and every, every four years you have to renew it. All right. So you get pulled over for speeding. I personally don't. Anybody here got a speeding ticket lately? Huh? Huh? Don't own up to it. I'll tell you. So the highway patrolman pulls you over and he looks at you and he says, Andrew Odejay. And he said, you're six foot on the driver's license. Said, you're six foot three and you weigh 175 pounds. What happened here? He doesn't pull a set of bathroom scales out and weigh you. Why? Because your conditions will change, but who you are will never change. Who we are in Christ will never change, but unfortunately, circumstances will change our conditions from time to time. So God never judges us or bases our salvation on what we do, because don't confuse what I do to who I am sometimes. So Paul is dealing with this, and what's so important about this is the very first the very first subject matter that Paul deals with the church, beginning with Ephesians chapter 4, is a relationship with one another. That's his first subject matter. When he gets past the first three, he talks about who we are in Christ, born from the foundations of the earth. We are predestinated by him. And all through these things, his righteousness is, 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 is required through Christ's blood. And now that he... Begins in chapter four, dealing with our condition. And he said, subject matter number one. I'm going to deal with how you treat one another. So this is found in Ephesians chapter four, verse two. And we're going to begin with this. It's in the message Bible. And he says, pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love. Keep going. Alert at noticing differences and, and be quick at mending fences. Be quick at mending fences. Why would he even bring this up? Because people are crossing barriers and borders in other people's lives. He never would have even mentioned it if there wasn't a problem in it. It's not like he's just making stuff up. He said, pour yourself out to people. Be tender hearted. Be kind to one another. Forbearing one another. Forgiving one another. But he said, be quick at mending fences. So all mending fences means is that, that someone has crossed a border or a line in your life. And when they cross a border or a line in your life, then the trust issue has been broken. Because it's possible not to trust someone, but still forgive them. 
Don't confuse that. Don't be elementary in your thinking. Don't be unskilled handling the word of God. Just because you may not trust somebody is because there was an old saying that said this. Just assume everybody's stupid. Let them prove you wrong. I've done that through the years. But what happens is that mending fences, it means that you cross the line. You cross the barrier. You did something that especially people that are near to you and dear to you, they did something. They crossed the line. They broke through the fence. They broke through the barrier. And now they're doing so that you, it has broken a trust issue with you. But here's what the scripture says. If they repent, and we'll deal with that next week. If they repent, be quick at mending the fence. Really? Ephesians chapter four, verse two and three, the King James says this. With all loneliness, which means humility and meekness, pray us. With long suffering, Marcothumius, forbearing one another, forbearing one another, forbearing one another, forbearing one another in love. Turn to somebody and say, you're not the easiest person to get along with. Be careful when you say that. Just smile real big. Verse three, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace with all lowliness, meekness, and humility. We are commanded. It's not a suggestion. We are commanded to forbear one another so that we may endeavor. Spadalzo. The word spadalzo, it means hard work, intensive labor. Hard work and effort on our part that we may work hard for what reason? To keep the unity of the spirit among the people of God. Hard work. I said it's hard work. I said it's hard work to make some people in the church happy. Now you get it. So with all meekness, and I've said this, the word meekness is prohatos, but you don't care. But, it, but, but meekness and weakness is not the same. Neither is cat and rat. It's kind of like the same, but it's not. Don't mistake my meekness for my weakness because you'll be rudely awakened. I am meek, but I am not weak. But I'm doing my very best with all loneliness and humility and compassion and understanding with every one of you and you with me to forbear one another's imperfections, to forbear one another's crossing of lines. That if we do so, that we will produce a heart of repentance. And in doing so, that we will endeavor a lot of hard work on our part to what bring the spirit of unity here in this church house. Because, watch this, it doesn't come standard equipped just because you open up a church door. I've heard this scripture before. Remind me where it's at. Where the stall is empty, it's clean. The more sheep we have, the more cleanup we have to deal with. That's the way it is. So this morning, if we're ever to have unity here at CCF, it's going to require a lot of hard work and effort on every one of your part. Don't look at me. It's every one of your part. 
you're going to have to with lowliness and meekness and understanding and compassion. If people cross lines of you and maybe maybe something happened, maybe they didn't mean for it to happen. It's one thing. We'll deal with it next week. Well, what if they intention to do it? Come back next week. It'll shock you. It'll shock me if you'll come twice in a row. I'll be shocked, some of you. Then we'll deal with that. But endeavoring to keep unity and peace is hard work. It's just like getting married. I mean, I love my wife. We've been married how many years, Gail? You tell them. 42. We found out that, that marriage takes a lot of work. And how many know, being married 42 years, it's been a lot of work on my part. You know that, don't you, Mark? You know that. A lot of hard work. It's well worth it. It gets easier as we go. But what, what I'm telling you is this. If we're going to have a church of unity, and I'm going to tell you why you need it. Because you deserve an explanation, and I'm the guy that's going to give it to you. We're not just here showing up and counting the heads. The end result here is that we're trying to produce unity among the body of Christ here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, when he talks about mending fences quickly, I use the term the sooner the better. So why is that? Why should we mend the fences quickly? Why, why should we learn to forgive quickly once they repent? Because you cannot forgive someone if they don't repent. And we'll deal with that next week. It's weird. It's weird. Jesus did not. And I'll explain that to you. It's kind of shocking for you to hear that. But it's kind of like transition in the business. When you provide the service and they provide the money, a transition or transaction happened. So we'll deal with that next week. Ephesians chapter number four tells us men fences quickly. So let's go to Ephesians chapter four, verse 31, 32. So this is how he closes this chapter. It's funny. So let all bitterness, he begins with this and he ends with this chapter. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, that's, that's vengeance, evil speakings, be put away from you with all malice. Stop right there. So he said, he, he's dealing with people that have crossed lines against you. People have said some things. People acted wrong. Okay. Well, it didn't kill you. You're still there. You're still there. And, and, and not only just people. Remember, remember what David said? If, if it had been an enemy, I, I think I could have handled it. But it was my friend. Not only my friend. But it was my closest friend, the one that we walked arm in arm together to the sanctuary of God. And you're going to say that is Jesus and Judas. It is not. It is David and Ahithophel. Ahithophel turned him in. He read him out to King Saul. David hid and nobody could find him. Now you can, you can link it to Judas. I don't care. You might as well. You do everything else. But that's, he's not talking about Jesus and Judas. David said, when Saul was after me, I hid myself, I honored God, and nobody could find me. But I had a best friend that we grew up together that only he knew where I could hide out. Ahithophel. And I know I didn't sneeze. Ahithophel. And Ahithophel ratted him out. Some of you look at me like, I don't know what I'm talking about. Look it up. Look it up. This may be new to you. Look it up. David was hiding from Saul. And Saul couldn't find him. He had all the borders emptied out. That's how come the Philistines could walk in because they were looking for one guy and they couldn't find him. But Ahithophel knew. And because of a couple of things happened, Ahithophel went to Saul and said this. 
I know where he's at. And for a certain amount of, of ransom, I'll turn him over to you. I'll tell you where he's at. And that's exactly what happened. You see, if, if it would be your enemy, like somebody that, that, that you don't really like and don't get along, that's one thing. But it's the people not only that you love, but it's the people that sit in beside you right now in the house of God. When they cross lines or barriers, it's hard to repair that fence. I'm at the wrong church. I know I am. I know I'm at the right church. Yeah. Oh, don't look at me like you're so holy. Your halo is just holding up your horns. That's all that's doing. So I understand. And the Lord understands. That's why you're here. And that's why I'm here to tell you that if it was just somebody you don't care about, it's no big deal. Somebody waved you, you with one finger and, and said, have a good day. It, well, you didn't know them. It, it would bother you. But, but when things happen with people that you sit down beside the church every week, they go through a fence. They go through a barrier. And it really does something to you. And I've always said this, not to my wife, I mean, about my wife, but God has prepared me for my enemy because of the family that he gave me. Not you. And what I'm telling you is sometimes that you wonder, well, why in the world did I have such a dysfunctional family? I mean, my, my family put the dis in functional, you know? Because God was just preparing you for days ahead that your enemy would come against you and you say, hey, my enemy, that's no big deal. I dealt with that growing up with a family that I thought loved me. And what happens is they tore down fences and barriers. But the Bible says, be quick to mend them. Somebody the other day run into the church building. Jump the curtain, run right into it. Anybody see that? Anybody hit it? Anybody here hit it? <laughs> run right into it. They hit it once. And then they hit it again. Jump, yeah, yeah. busted the sheetrock on the inside. So you know what I could have done? I could have painted a big old Japanese red zero and an Aaron said, look at there. So, you know, you know what we did? We were quick to just cover it up with metal. Instead of being exposed to injury and the hurt, we covered it up quickly. Now when you drive by, you probably didn't even know somebody hit it. But boy, you would have last week when the whole front of a car goes through it. So I'm telling you that sometimes even I could get mad and run an ad in the paper and, and say, I'm, I'm going to get whatever dirty rat. We got the police department looking for your bumper. What we do, we just mend the fences. We just fix it and we go on. Some of you need to mend fences and go on. Some things cannot be reconciled. The Bible says, if it's possible, live with all men peacefully. Some of you, it's not possible to live with you peacefully, so you need to go on. This is the way it is. So verse 31, 32 says this, put away, put away from you with all malice, put away from these, put away from you all these things. Now, verse 32, watch this. And be you kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. He's forgiven us. He's forgiven me. And since he's forgiven me, I've done stupid things. I know I'm the only one here. But I mean, we've all done stupid things ever since that he's forgiven me. But the word putting away is where we're going to talk about this morning. Enduo is a word. The word put is the word, Greek word for enduo. And you can either put it on or you can put it off. Now, some of you need to really wake up and pay attention because now that it's going to get better. 
The scripture says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the armament of God. Put on the spirit of gladness. He's telling you, put it on. And some things he's telling you, as we just read, put it off. Put it away. The word put in duo, it means it's a personal responsibility that lays upon you personally. It's our part. It's not God's part. Now, I'm fixing to clear up the waters for a lot of you. When he says the word put, he's talking about you. It's your responsibility to do it. We do our part. God does his part. God does his part. We do our part. So when you, talk to, when you hear this thing, put on the Lord, put on the armor of God, God says you do it. When he talks about putting away filthy talk and blaspheming and, and all these things and clamor and vision and all that malice, he said, you're, you're to do it. You come to church and you're thinking, you come to church and you think, oh, if I could just get the music right, whoo, if I could just get the, the dancing right, I mean, God, God will get rid of this. He will not. Emotions won't do it. What happens is when you leave here, you just got lively anger. You are to do it. So why, why is the big stress here? And the answer is found here. Let me explain. Psalms 133 and 1 and 2. Some of you know this. This is a great scripture. Watch this. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garment. We'll talk about this in about two weeks. But let's go to the end of it. For there. Say for there. For there. there where? If God's going to command the blessing, so where is there? Speak up. Where is there? Where the, no, it may not be. It may not be. Where does God command the blessings, ladies and gentlemen? Let's go back to verse 1. Good morning, class. Let's go to verse 1. Where there is unity. Among the brethren. Why does God want you to take off malice and hate and unforgiveness and bitterness and stupidity? Why? Because these things seem to separate and divide. So why does God want us to have unity? Because go to the end one, because where there is unity, there God commands the blessing. Ooh. Now watch this. This section over here sleeps. Keep an eye on them. If there's blessing that comes in unity, watch this. So why do I talk loud and long about getting unity? Is because if there is no unity in the church, then there is dissension and division. And the opposite of blessing is what? You're cursed. Don't look at me that way. I didn't say it. You can't have one without the other. You're cursed. You know what the last word in the Old Testament was when God turned off the microphone? 400 years, cursed. 
The last thing God said to the people before he turned off the microphone for 430 years, he said the last word, curse. Why do I scream and holler? Why, why do I forbear one another? Why do with loneliness and meekness, I do my very best to help you and even help some people out of this church? It's okay. Why? I'm trying to, I'm trying to bring unity within the people because if we can get unity here, then the blessings of God will come down. But if there's still division among you and there's still hate and malice and rage and vengeance and all this stuff still there, watch this. There's no blessing going to come down, only a life of curse. And someone said, well, if I'm born again, I can't have a curse. Once again, please don't insult my intelligence on any of that. Sure you can be. So now then you see some of you, I mean, I say some of you, but, but some of you don't. You need to see what I, I understand. This is why we have to have unity. We, we remember, remember what Paul said? It's not, it's not. He said in Corinthians 1, he said, some of you, it was told by the house of Chloe, some of you, that you're Paulines, you're Paul, you're follower of Paul. And some of you, the eloquency of, of Apollos, and some Cephas because Peter, because he was one of the disciples and some of you Christ, you know, you see what I'm saying? Oh, oh, we got this falling, or I got that falling, or uh, it, it's my classroom, or it, it's, it's my community. It is not. That's di a divided church. I will not tolerate it. You know why? Because I'm not going to be a part of your cursed life. Living curse for I care. I don't care. I'm not. I want to live in a home and, and I want to dwell in a sanctuary that has life and abundance and joy. And, and I want to be in a place where there's blessing coming down. But as long as we are divided, there's no blessing going to come down. Turn to two people and say, I like you even better now. I'm going to have to. Wouldn't it be a lot simpler? Hey, hey I, I need a watch. Who's got a watch? Let me see that watch. Oh, that's, a, that's a cheap watch. Anybody got a good watch? <laughs> Is that a gold watch? Oh, that's a good one right there. Mike said it still tells the time. Yeah, I know, but it this matches my outfit. See there? Thank you, Neil. I appreciate that. Oh, 10 after 10. That's not bad. Wouldn't it be a lot easier? Wouldn't it be a lot easier if God would just bless the people first? Did you hear that? Wouldn't it be a lot easier if you said, God, if you'll just bless me. Oh, hallelujah. If you'll just come down and bless me, then we can have unity in the church. Wouldn't that be easier? I said, wouldn't that be easier? Well, sure it would. Anoint me. Pour all on my head. And if you pour all of my head, I can forbear Mike Boyer for one more hour. <laughs> he doesn't do it. He does not do that. He said, you're going to have to do your part. And if you'll do your part first, regardless of what anybody else does, if you, if you will determine to have unity in the church, then I will pour blessings on you. 
That's funny. It would be a lot easier the other way. So I was raised in the Assembly of God Church, and that's what they taught you. Oh, just come in here, and we're going to call heaven down, and oh, things are going to get better, and they didn't. They lied like a dog. God's going to do it all. No, he's not. You have a part. You have a personal responsibility. And when you do your part, God said, I'll do my part. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. The book of James 4. If you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Okay. So it would be a lot simpler if you would just say, oh, if I could just find the right church, the perfect church. If you find the perfect church, please don't go there. You will ruin the thing. Okay. There is no perfect church. There is no perfect people. There is no perfect pastor. We are a congregation that love Jesus, been born again of God, and we're learning to forbear one another's imperfections through repentance and forgiveness. That's the law of God. There's only one scripture in the New Testament that talks about for God so loved the world. You ought to pull up in the concordance how many times it says the word repent. It'll shock you. Shop you. So there cannot be any reconciliation as we know through the scriptures without true repentance and true forgiveness. That's the way God set up through salvation. So it would have been a lot easier if he had just come down and David said, Oh, when you come down and pour oil on my head, and it'll it'll flow off me and I'll fling it off on other people and we'll have unity. He said, No, nope, not gonna do that. You're gonna do your part. Remember in John 11 with Lazarus? He died four days later. Jesus walks up to the tomb and says, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says, out he comes in grave clothes. And it's fascinating what he says next. Jesus said, loose him and let him go. He said, loose him because you're the people who tied him up in the first place. He didn't say, Lazarus, come forth. And Jesus reached over and got the linen cloth and spun him like a top until it all, shut He said, I'll do my part. I'll raise him from the dead. Come forth. Now you do your part. You untie him. You unbind him. You unravel him because you're the people that raveled him up. If we're not careful, that we ravel people up in grave clothes, hoping they'll die and rot somewhere. Now I'm hitting home. And I'm telling you, Jesus said, I've already forgiven them. Now it's time for you to unravel them because you're the one that wrapped them up. Jesus did a part and he made the people do their part. And I know this is not fun to you because right now, in your Rolodex of your mind, you're going through a thousand pages of people that did you wrong. But the problem with that is you forgot of all the wrong that you committed. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? Spiritual amnesia. Me? Do anything wrong? So we have a part. So lastly this morning, because this watch is cheap. What is the Rolex? It's not cheap. This is dealing with the outpouring of Pentecost. Now then, 
Just stay with me for a moment. Acts chapter 1, verse 13 says this. Acts 1 and 3, I'm sorry. To whom, which is Jesus, he also showed himself alive after his passion, which is the crucifixion and resurrection, by many infallible proofs, and being seen of them, or the people, or the disciples, or the followers, for how many days, folks? 40 days. And speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. 40 days. So, after his resurrection, he, he, he goes back to those that were following him for 40 days. Very important. So now then, Acts chapter 1, verse 12 and 14. This is after that he was taken up into the heavens. And so then they returned, these people that were watching him being taken from heaven unto Jerusalem from the mountain called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. On the Sabbath, you can only travel one mile. And then when they were come in, who were come in? We know it's 120. When they were come in, they went into the upper room where abode Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew and James, and the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas, the brother of James. Now watch this, keep going. And these all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and the Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Now, that's kind of a weird statement to say, but he's giving you a list that after, for 40 days, he, he mingled back with the people of God to prove that, who, that he had been risen from the dead with infallible proofs. After 40 days, in Acts chapter 1, that we know that the angels came and he, he ascended on a cloud to take him back to his kingdom. When he left, these gathered into an upper room. On the 40th day. And it says the mother of Mary, excuse me, Mary, the mother of Jesus was with them. So. Now then in Acts chapter two, verse one, we have this, it says this. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. So I'm, I'm quitting. But Pente, Pente means what? Fifty. Pentecost means 50th. So when 50 days were complete, something happened. So we know in Acts chapter 2, on the 50th day, that something happened. And Pentecost, somebody said, are you Pentecostal? I hope so. Because I do believe in 50. I really do. But I understand, I understand. Am I spirit-filled? You know I am. Do I speak in tongues? Absolutely. Do I do it in front of you? Eh, it doesn't matter. But if you haven't figured out that there's a spirit of God is in me by dividing the word for you, you know, you need to understand that the, the power of God can, can manifest itself in different ways and means. And if you think that speaking in tongues, the only evidence is speaking in tongues, then you need to have a conversation with me and I'll prove you wrong 100%. Because I grew up in it, they just taught me wrong. And it's biblical too. So 50 days now has happened. 10 days after he left, they're still in one place. 
Ten days before the outpouring in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, these 120 were determined to come together in unity, one accord. The word one accord is a Greek word called homothumadon. Homo is the same, and thumadon means a mindset. Now, don't lose me here. When they got in one mindset for 10 days, then God in Acts 2 and 1 came the outpouring to bless them for their obedience. Isn't it amazing that it had been a lot easier for God to give them the Holy Ghost the day that he left because it had been simple to live together and pray together for 10 days until Acts 2 and 1. But they didn't. I've lost you. I've lost you. He was taken to heaven on the 40th day, and now then they have to spend 10 days together wondering why are we here? He did not say, hey, in Acts 2 and 1, I'm fixing to do something wonderful. He, did, he just left. Like, where did he go? What am I supposed to do now? That's where a lot of you feel like right now. I don't know what I'm doing here. I've just been commanded to get along with people that are ungetalongable. It's going to take effort on your part. Because God's about to teach you something. Let me explain. They had to personally do something on their part for 10 days before God did something for them on the 50th day. No goosebumps, no emotions, no frills, no nothing. For 10 days, they still had to sit by smelling one another. Not knowing where to go, what to do, and how long will it be. Remember what they said? Now? Now? Verse 7? Now? Will you restore your kingdom? And he said, it's none of your business what I do with my kingdom. You just be filled with the Spirit. Why are we so interested in putting God on a calendar? Well, I want to know. He said, well, I'm not telling you. How's that? I've been working at the house. We all have. And about, I think it was Monday or Tuesday. We had to go somewhere. I forgot where we had to go, but I was just going to work a few hours. We've been hauling dirt and, and you know, I've been working. Steve's been watching me work. That's just the way it is. But we, and, and when that, we had to go somewhere. I forgot what it was. And I worked till about 11 or 12, what it was. And I thought, and, and I said, we're working. Outside. I thought, you know, trust me, at the end of the day, I, I, I need a, a shower. Trust me. And, but I thought, well, it's not that big a deal. And Gator said, well, you, you can change clothes, take a shower at night. And I said, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I thought, well, I'll just go ahead and take a shower. It wasn't a big deal, but it was outside. And I got in the shower. And, and I used soap. And, and I kind of spun around, not like spun around like James Brown, but I kind of turned around and facing the drain. And I looked down and I saw something really weird. And it wasn't like a, a snake or a sewer rat. It wasn't that at all. It was a trail of dirt in the bottom of my bathtub headed to the drain. It was about that wide and about that long. And I thought to myself, I didn't realize I was that dirty. I had an option. I could have just changed clothes and, and cloned up.
But cologne and clean are two different things. I'm going to tell you, I'm gonna, here's a revelation. I didn't clone up this morning. I'm clean. I've learned to take a shower in the word of God multiple times a day because there are times in my life that you feel like that you're not that dirty. Trust me, you are. And it'll shock you. Once you begin to get in the shower of God's word and let that water begin to just soak your body and, 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 and wash things from it'll shock you what will settle in the bottom of the drain that you really didn't realize what you had all over you. So, anyway, let's quit. I choose not just to cover it up with clone, folks. Oh, I'm Baptist. I'm Pentecost. I'm Assembly of God. <laughs> I'm Lutheran, Nazarene, Church of Christ, Presbyterian, Vegetarian. I'm, I'm all those things. Yeah, I smell you. I smell you. But you're not clean. You're not clean. You still leave here and you say bad words, do bad things, cross fences with other people. You're not clean. Blessed are those that are clean, for they shall see God. I don't care what clone you got on. I don't care what doctrines you believe in. I don't care anything about that. All I want to know is, are you clean by the washing of the water of the word of God? Jesus said, you are clean, John 15, 3, because of my words I've spoken to you. And every time I get in this Bible, you know all I'm doing? I'm not trying to tell you I know something more than you because I don't. I'm just taking a shower. And I had to take a shower in this before I, I shower you with it. And I didn't have to put on clone this morning either. I didn't have to cover up nothing. Because I don't know about you. I got to go. This watch is crazy. I'll tell you, but I think my wife will tell you, I'm allergic to strong women's clone. I'll get in the elevator with some woman that she, you know, and I understand, but they'll clone up and I got to get off. You may like it. I don't. It gags me. I'm not against clones. Some of you may need to wear it, but I'm telling you, when they, when they try to cover up clone instead of using a bar of soap, I have a problem. I can smell them in the parking lot. So you don't have to put on clone and put on a show here. We don't care what church you come from. I, I could care less. All I want to know, are you washing in the water of the word of God on a daily basis? And are you being made clean through the teachings of Christ Jesus? And if you are, you'll find that trail dirt headed to the drain. And he'll surprise you. Well, come off your body if you'll just let him wash you. Wow. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. We're leaving. You can shut your bowels if you want to. I don't care. And with these group of people that stayed together... For these 10 days in a crowded room, not knowing what to do, where to go, not knowing anything about what Jesus is going to do, but they stayed together. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, was with his brother. So the question in this morning, why do we strive to have unity in this church? 
When do we strive that? And bless you. And here's the key. Write it in your Bible. Here's the key right there. Why does it say that Mary was with these guys? Here's the key. Because Mary is the only human being that has ever been filled with the presence of God twice. Oh, Acts chapter 2, they were filled. Woohoo! But she was filled at a young age. The Greek says, overshadowed, invaded, possessed with the presence of God. So here's the English, here's the English sermon. Christ left. Didn't say what to do, when will we be back? He said, just wait here till the promise comes. No calendar, no clock, no nothing. Just wait. And, 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 and everybody's arguing. Not that you would argue when I leave here, but there's people arguing, well, I'm in charge and I'm in charge and we're going to do this. And Mary said, hey, anybody whistle besides me? I'm a good whistler. Like that. She goes, knock it off, you knuckleheads. I know what it's like as a child at a young age with the Spirit of God to come into my room and, and overwhelm me. And I've never forgot that feeling. So much that he impregnated me with the Son of God himself, but that overshadowed me. It wasn't just a goosebump. He invaded my life. And I know the feeling of what it's like for him to fulfill a promise in my life. And so we, including you and including you, are going to wait until the promise comes. Because he is worth the wait. Why do we strive for unity here in this church? Because, what's this? Because the blessings of God is worth the wait. I know what it's like to have the, the power of God just move into me. I know what it's like to have the power of God move into me where I'm not even thinking right or seeing right or, or, or thinking clear. I do this a lot at the piano after I preach. I don't think sometimes. Somebody wants to talk to me. I said, don't talk to me. I'm, I'm not even here back. I'm, I'm, I'm not even here yet. Give me a moment. But Mary said, I know what it's like to be filled once with the Spirit and the rewards and the benefits of it. And she said, we are going to stay together. We're going to pray together. We're going to be together in unity because it is through unity that the blessing of God will come upon us. And 10 days later, of much endeavoring and of much labor and with much forbearance, one with another, Acts chapter two came. And what did he do? He filled them with the Holy Spirit.
You see, I'm telling you this morning, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, being filled with the Spirit. I'm filled with the Spirit, and we understand about salvation. I understand that. We understand there's a separate work, but this is what I'm telling you. Here, here we go. I'm not trying to reproduce anything. I'm not trying to reproduce anything here. I'm not trying to get anything going. I'm not starting a movement. I, I, I don't want people running around the building speaking. I'm not trying to do that at all. I'm trying to get this place in a spirit of unity. Because if you've ever been filled with the Holy Spirit of God in such a way that you, 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 you've lost bearings with, because God has overshadowed you, you're going to say to one another, I'm not for sure what God is doing here, but I'm going to tell you what. It's worth the wait, what God wants to do. And because Mary had already been filled with the Spirit once, she said to these, He will be faithful to His promise. He will pour out His Spirit upon our flesh. But we've got to stay together. And they did in one accord, homo thumadon. They were in one mind. So what are we trying to achieve here? Am I trying to indoctrinate you to the Baptist doctrine? Absolutely not. Am I trying to indoctrinate you to the assemblies of God and the charismatics? Absolutely not. You know what we're trying to do is with all forbearance and love and humility and kindness, we're here to quickly mend fences that we can have a sense of unity in this church. So here's the deal. If I hurt your feelings, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. What more do you want me to do? I'm sorry. If you hurt my feelings, you're forgiven. It's okay. Now then what we're going to do, now we can have a spirit of unity again and the oil of forgiveness flows in here. And if we can have unity, what's going to happen? Then and only then, the blessings of God will come down. So what does God want with us right now? I don't know. What does God want us to do? I don't know. Should we knock on doors? I don't know. Should we go out and hand out tracts? Help yourself. But I know one thing He wants. He wants for us, with all humility and forbearance, to forgive one another through forgiveness. And only through forgiveness that we can have unity. And if we have unity, Andrew, the blessings of God will come down. I don't want to be cursed another day in my life. I want the blessings of God to rain upon me. And I hope that's your prayer too. Let it be said when people come to the church doors that there was something different here. It wasn't just the music and the good people. It was a spirit of freedom and it was a sanctuary, the presence of God. Why? Because it will only come through unity. And unity will only come when we learn to forbear one another, forgive one another, and that's it. If not, all we'll have is a, is a church full of hateful, bitter, mean people, and they got them everywhere across this nation. But I refuse for that to happen here. Now I'm gonna say this quietly, and if you don't wanna forgive and get along, please leave. Please, please go. If you can't get past some things, please go. If someone is repenting to you and you don't wanna forgive them, please leave because you're bringing a curse upon this church. But if someone has hurt you and they repented, forgive them. 
mend the fence quickly. You don't have to invite them over for dinner or let them move in with you. Just forgive them. Now there's unity. And then now the blessings of God can come down. So we're going to do that. Father, this morning we've been commanded to do our part. You commanded us to put off and put away everything that is hateful and mean and slandering and full of vengeance and full of malice because we did not get our way. You commanded us to mend fences quickly when people repent that have crossed lines and barriers in our life. Some of us have been in this church a long time together, a long time. And through the years, things happen. Words are said that was, was said and done and, and without really intention or thought. But help us to be quick to repent. Because there's one thing that I would like to be said of this small church. I'd like for it to be known that because there's unity here. And because there's unity here, then you will cause the blessings to come down. And for these disciples, and especially Mary, the mother of Jesus, these 10 days of not knowing where to go and what to do and how to respond and how to act, Mary put them all in their place and said this, I know what it's like to be filled with the presence of God in a way that is unexplainable. I know what the angel of the Lord told me that day when he overshadowed me and I couldn't put it in words, but I know one thing, that he was faithful to his promise. And Mary told these in the upper room, you will quieten down and we will work together and we will love one another and we will forbear one another until the outpouring comes. It's worth the wait. Some of you this morning asked the question, what am I doing here? <laughs> Why would God send me to a metal building? Because he wants unity. Because you have a heart of forgiveness and he wanted to put you around people that has a same heart like yours. You used to go to a church that was hateful and mean and cantankerous and gossip, but God said, that's not who you are. So I'll take you out of there and I'll bring you to a place whose people's heart longs to be forgiving and kind and tender. And I'll put you in front of a man that constantly will shower you with the word of God. And before you know it, you will look down and you'll see a dirt trail of unforgiveness and bitterness and hatefulness just flow from you into the drain. And you never realize you were that dirty. That's what you're doing here. So Father, would you come down? But only come down until we do our part that we will be known as the people of God. In Jesus' name. And all the people of God say amen. amen. Wow. That's a good watch. Stand with me this morning and turn to about four or five people and look at them right in the eye and just give them a hug and say, I love you. I'm glad you're here. Don't come up here. I'll run. Just tell them. 
I want unity. If I hurt your feelings, I'm sorry. Tell them. If I was a little short with you, I'm sorry. I want God to come down. I've had enough hell on earth for the last six days. I'd like to go somewhere where God will come down. I'm working in a job that's cursed. I'd like to be in a place where there's blessings. That's what this is about this morning. Forgive us as we forgive others, Father, that the blessings of God will come down. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. Communion servers, will you please come? Holy Communion is nothing more and nothing less than the body of Christ, the blood of Christ that was offered for this, this action of reconciliation. Be quick at many fences. Be quick of covering up. He got Ham in trouble in the Old Testament because he did not cover up his father. He wanted to expose his imperfections and he got him. Be quick to forgive. He said with his disciples, he took these two things, the bread and the cup. He took the bread and he lifted up and he and he broke and he said, this bread is my body broken for you. Your broken dreams, your broken lives, your broken hearts, your broken marriages, your just your brokenness. Jesus became broken that you could be whole. He took the cup and he said, this cup is symbolic. It is the lamb's blood that was shed and placed upon the doorpost that the death angel Abaddon would pass over that night. He said, I am the Lamb of God. That takes away the sins of the world. And my Father will soon take my blood and place it in the shape of a cross for the forgiveness of your sins. This morning, the people of God, you hear me more than anything. I want the unity, the spirit of of God, the bond of peace to be in this place because I desperately like you need to be able to walk into a church service on Sunday mornings and, and know that God will come down and bless us. So for whatever you need to do this morning, let's deal with it. Let's bring it to the cross. Let's get these things out. Let's take a shower. Ask for the forgiveness of God and ask for the forgiveness of others and accept the repentance of others. And let's once again have a church full of unity that will glorify God. In Jesus' name, amen.